Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 48. Really? Yeah. Of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, who are we're not 48 years old yet, <laughs> Allison and Tess. Hi, everyone. I'm just so delighted. I was just almost clapping my hands because we were having a like green room pre pre episode podcast, as if this is, um, mm-hmm. you know, like the pre talk before you go on live. So. Who was I talking to about doing this? And someone said something about, well, what do you wear? And I said, it's... <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I could be in my pajamas right now for all mm-hmm. for all you guys know, but I'm not. I'm actually not in my pajamas. We should probably make sure that that's... that's <laughs> Just to verify. verify. I will verify that you are not in your pajamas. I'm not in my pajamas. Um, <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> so we had a wonderful conference and we do want to spend a little bit of time talking about that and doing a little recap and then i'm all over the five-year-old self trend which is kind of making the rounds on twitter which you twitter list tests would not Mm -hmm. know um however i think it's such a great when we talk about callback to a generation Mm -hmm. what i tried to do at conference was give people the opportunity to call back to their junior high self yep. by being vulnerable enough to share a picture of seventh grade Allison seventh oh, grade Allison love it. It, I mean it's a doozy it really is it's, it's one of my favorite pictures and so the lull in the crowd so as the MC, um and I want to do a little bit of strength spotting too for myself as the MC, mm-hmm. woo was at top level Mm-hmm. But so was empathy because I was trying to read a room of 300, which is really, really hard yeah. for me to do. But I'm trying to kind of get a gauge for are they with me? Are they not? Yeah. So I knew when you come back from lunch, people are really kind of chit-chatty. They're more comfortable. They're not as nervous as they were in the morning. They're yeah. not as alert to what you're saying as the MC. So you kind of have to draw them in. Mm-hmm. So I thought what better way to do that than, than to flash a picture of 7th grade Allison on the screen. <laughs> and then I waited there was a pause. Yep. And if you heard the loudest cackle that started the other laughter was Denise from Exeter, who knew ah. that seventh grade me. Yes. And okay. she <laughs> laughed so I mean, I heard her laugh right away and then everyone else kinda laughed. But the point was, you know, who who were you? Yeah. Um, and a call back to that seventh grade self to say, Hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think I shared this a few episodes ago, but I read recently that the two people that you should be worried about impressing are your nine-year-old self and your 90-year-old self. And so when I called back to that seventh grade picture, it's because a lot of times when we think about mentoring, we we think about those middle schoolers. They might be in the beginning of their mentoring relationship or they might be, you know, matched with their mentor for a while. But that's sometimes a really challenging age. And my picture depicts for me why. (laughs) But also I think it's important for us to think about who is your Miss Sue. We had Miss Sue Mitchell um, Mm -hmm. who shared her story and it was very compelling and Mm -hmm. and heart tugging. But everybody deserves to have a a cheerleader like that. So Mm -hmm. my hope was that when we can reflect on that younger self, that we can think about who was there for you. Yeah. So I do you want to do five-year-old self first and yeah. then do a little bit of conference sure. re- recap? 
Yeah, that sounds good. So this five-year-old self is a little different. We talk a lot about like fifth grade or seventh grade self because that's the ages of our mentees. But um, this is something trending on Twitter right now to do like the five-year-old self, which would be like entering kindergarten. Right. And so with back to school, we thought it'd be fun to, we'll share with you, head over to our Instagram after this episode and we'll share um, our fifth grade uh, five-year-old or five-year-old yeah. self pictures yours um, is adorable <laughs> I know I was a super cute kid that's like my claim to fame but <laughs> also you had bangs then too I did have bangs then okay which I did not realize I had bangs young until I got bangs now and looked back at pictures and now all of my pictures from when I was really young like I noticed that I have bangs in them so I had like a, a 20 a 18 to 20 year gap and not wearing bangs. And now I feel like I'm reclaiming my five-year-old self. So, And that's the point of this whole thing um, that's making um, its way around Twitter is so, really having a dialogue as to, hey, five-year-old you. It's like a letter to your younger self. Yeah. You rock bangs. Right. Be confident. Be confident. You'll come back to this. Um, but when I saw that picture of you, and I'm sure those who head on over to Instagram and see that picture of you, your learner is literally bouncing out of that picture. What was just starting school? It was like it's like the highlight of my life. But sometimes you'll see that first year picture, and you'll see a kiddo who's just, oh, I don't want to be here. And you are, what's next? I know. Look at my little checkered dress. Like, let's go. Please let's learn. Please now. let's go. Um, and I think that's so good. My five-year-old self picture. And yours is a school picture. Mm-hmm. Mine is a photo that my mom took. And this is really a high level of irony <laughs> that I'm just kind of figuring out as I'm talking this mm-hmm. out right now. My mom, when she was in her 30s, started dabbling in photography. Okay. And that was a black and white that she took of me and developed and everything on her own. Mm-hmm. And that black and white of me is... After my dad had passed away, um, so my dad passed away when I was five, Um, after my dad had passed away, and this very, when I look at that picture, first of all, I mean, horrible hair. That's that's bad (laughs) hair. But I have this depth. I mean, you, the, the, yeah. my eyes in the picture oh, yeah. are haunting, yep. but curious, yes. sad, but <laughs> looking for hope. I mean, you can just oh, see yeah. this picture of me just like, like I just answer just... my questions. So that's what I thought when I saw the picture. The first sentence that came oh, to mind gosh. when I look at that five-year-old me is, answer my questions. Yeah. And so my input was clearly alive. Oh, yeah. At a very young age. That's horrible. This is why I don't have bangs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. These aren't the best cut bangs. I'm sorry. But so really, you can pull them off. They are um, at least an inch and a half from my eyebrows. They're the micro bangs. I would say micro, micro. Super like in with Mm -hmm. indie people right now that I just don't understand. But I would say also I see your empathy in this picture. Like Mm -hmm. you're rocking a soft smile. And I think it's like this looks like a very approachable person because you're almost like very, very open, very kind. Like your pupils seem like very dilated, you know, which, you know, it's a little bit black and white, hard to tell. But even just your just openness and kindness, I feel expressed through this photo. So when I found this and and went back to this and thought about my mom taking this picture, it gives me a whole lot of grace, understanding and appreciation for my mom. Yeah. Okay. And because I'm thinking she's just starting to learn the camera 
And that's a great picture of a child. Yeah. Um, and so, so I really love it. Now, <laughs> in your picture test, I mean, the other thing I really like is that you almost have a tilt to you. Like, really? <laughs> is that true? Prove that, please. Right. So it's bouncing learner, but also at the same time, there's a little bit of a question. Mm-hmm. There's a half tilt yeah. to the... I'm not so sure about you. <laughs> Show me the data. <laughs> Are you really a legit photographer? <laughs> Prove it. Um, so I, I love how also just generationally, the fact that mm-hmm. my picture is black and white. Absolutely. And yours is in color. Now, not, color. not that in 1980 we did not have color photos because yeah. we did. I'm not that yeah. old. But the fact that mom chose to take chose it. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the interesting thing maybe that is part of like my learner too, I think um, – some people's learners like a love of learning outside the classroom and experiential learning mine has always been inside the classroom and so even the colors in the background um, of my color of my photo I'm wearing a white and um, white and blue and the background is blue Um, every school I've ever attended except now my grad school has been white and blue colors my elementary, middle, Creighton. high school, oh my Creighton, my undergrad. Now I'm in purple and silver, which is like totally throwing me off my grad school. But otherwise, every <laughs> other school I've attended is that colors, which I don't know. I don't think that was intentional. I remember loving that dress. Um, well, and, and so. <laughs> I think I asked you when I saw the picture, I said, are you literally holding like encyclopedias? I like, and I said, no, I'm sitting on a globe. <laughs> you probably are. Probably um, so when we think about that five-year-old self, and mm-hmm. part of the reason I wanted to talk about this when I saw this trending on Twitter, I thought, what a great dialogue, because essentially we're going back and saying, mm-hmm. I give you permission to be authentic. Yep. It is okay to still be you. Yep. And and I see, so I yeah. started looking, you know, on Twitter, what am I seeing? And there's like three things yeah. that people are saying to their five-year-old self. And the common theme that I see is you have permission to be you. Yes. And awesome. so why do we fight that so much? And with what you and I do mm-hmm. in strengths and in, in, in mentoring and in everything mm-hmm. that we do with our roles, yeah. we're reminding everybody that they have permission to be their yes. truest self. But why do we why do we need to be reminded of that? Now, I think yeah. the purest form of that is five-year-old. Oh, you. Yeah. We don't even know any we don't we don't know anything other than that person. So I could go from that kind of in empathy in the moment I would have been roller skating 10 seconds later <laughs> and twirling about and mm-hmm. um, creating space. Yeah. So I again been thinking about this a lot um, I have found camping to be something that I love and we're actually I'm actually selling um, our camper that we just recently purchased. And when I get in the camper, and it's a larger, it's like a 23-foot travel trailer. When I get in there initially and I start setting everything up for like the week or the weekend mm-hmm. of camping, I tremendous joy. Yeah. We're just completely in it. Yeah. I love it so much. I love mm-hmm. sweeping it and getting everything ready because mm-hmm. it's this tiny little tiny space. And so I started thinking, what is this? What does this remind me of? And it reminds me of five-year-old me mm. creating space in the old hog shed or the, or the barn or in the basement. Yeah. It was like setting up. I loved creating space mm. and making it mine. Mm. And so 
recently doing some um, work with Wild and doing a, a retreat with um, women, we talked about you know where where do you space? where did you find joy when you were young and how does that line up to now? And so I think that's part of the reason I love being in that camper. Yeah. Is it reminds me of five-year-old me where I could just create this small little tiny mm. space that was secluded and hidden and mine. Yeah. So when you look at five-year-old you, mm. what, what activity, unique to you activity, brought you tremendous joy? Mm. I, you're going to laugh, but my sister and I always played teacher and student. Like that, I know you're like rolling your eyes at me. Um, but of that you did. was one of my favorite things was we would trade off being teachers, uh, and we trade off then being the student for each other. And she now is a teacher. I was and just I going to say, love learning, and uh, and so I think that was always a fun thing. Like there are pictures of us in our like blow up bubble chairs and with our chalkboards and we would each teach different things like um, my sister loved to teach like we would usually do a lot of like English and reading and things like that language arts um, also love like geography and things like that obviously strengths about that um, <laughs> and so I just remember I remember a lot of that and I think it's funny looking back and even seeing um, you know where you know, my evolution, I got to talk when I did the Beyond the Impact pod a lot about, um, podcast with Hannah, um, a lot about, I, it took me a long time to rediscover, I think some of those things that were in me because I had a lot. And to go back to your point of being your authentic self, we have a lot of societal and communal pressure to, you know, resemble whatever success looks like to our society and community. And so I had incredible well-meaning people that said you could be anything. So why wouldn't you be a doctor or a lawyer or something that could, you could make a lot of money and have a lot of status, right? And so, and those were, you know, the best, the most well-meaning people, family, friends, and teachers that really just saw potential in me because I was a great student and um, had a lot of leadership positions, but it's taken me a long time to say what, and so like when I think about what I would encourage my five-year-old self, I would say, what is it that you can't let go of and don't let go of it? Like, I think I've had to reclaim my passions that I knew at that young age. Like I could have told you I loved learning and loved to teach um, at that young of an age. Um, But I had a lot of people just kind of intercept that and maybe push other things on me that I had to really discern what was in success. Me, right? What was what was success for me, but also what what are the things I can't let go of, right? Because I think as a good student, a lot of people who are, you know, we have a lot of, you know, even mentees that are star students that could reasonably do anything, right, with their life and their future. But I think there's a difference between, you know, just doing something for a career and doing something out of a calling, right? And I have never been a person just to do something for a career, but it took me a while. Um, a lot of during college was trying to find that career. Um, and And so, yeah, I guess that looking back and thinking about what I love to do of teaching and and then listening and learning from my sister, um, I think it's reclaiming that love of learning. And I think also to give some forgiveness to those of us, to those who put expectations down, it's generational. Oh, absolutely. So success to your parents' generation, Mm -hmm. career success equals status money. Yeah, absolutely. Your generation's success is none of that. Yeah, it's a fulfilling career that you find life and joy from. Like the lines between even, you know, all of Gallup's research about the changing workplace, the lines for me between between work and the rest of my life 
there's no real line. It's not existent. And my parents, it's very much at five o'clock, I leave and I leave my work there. And for me, it's like my work is all encompassing. Like it, And you don't you want know, to not you be. Know. Yeah, I wouldn't want a line to be there. It's not like a bad thing, like I'm a workaholic, but it's like, oh, if I think of something on the weekend, I'm going to pause and do some work because it's meaningful to me and it gives me life and joy. And that's what you know, I seek versus maybe what my parents and, and I don't even know that I need to, need to forgive those people because I know their hearts and I know it was never a pla- out of a place of pressure to do that um, or to do those things like, you know, become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever my parents, you know, pushed me to do. It was never out of a place of trying right. to pigeonhole me. It was very much from a place of of love and wanting me to be successful. Right, and parenting from a place yeah. of what they knew. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to really push your historian self. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling on you, I'm calling on Sean, I'm calling on Jay, I'm calling on all of you who have high context. Mm-hmm. Do you see a pattern? And do you have a prediction for mm-hmm. future patterns. So the reason I ask this is, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's just look at seventh grade picture of me. One of the things I said yeah. when I brought that up at conference is, oh, I wish I would have kept those glasses mm-hmm. because they look a lot like your glasses, yep. except for mine were two-tone, like yep. purple, pink. Yours are, are gray. Those glasses have come back. Yep. Mom jeans have come back. Have come back. Yep. <laughs> so you know that you, that history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. So when you think about this and you think about what success looks like, Mm. will there be a shift in the next generation in the way that you parent, in the way that Sean parents, in the way Mm. that generation says to their, because we just do it naturally. We give, even if it's not in parenting, the way that we Mm -hmm. example, the way that we mentor, the way that we give to others comes from our perspective. We can't help it. So Mm -hmm. do you foresee... Mm-hmm. that shift absolutely you see yeah. it shifting back yeah to um so I think the interesting thing I think I grew up just on the tail end of what has become the helicopter parenting generation right like the people just younger than me I feel like my parents a little bit but wanting to be involved in everything a lot of like probably negative which my parents weren't this but oh some of the negative examples would be like living vicariously through my kids of like I didn't get to be fill in the blank so I want my kids to do Mm -hmm. that um that's where we even see like a lot of like the dance mom rhetoric um Mm -hmm. about uh, you know wanting my kid to be successful or famous or talented or whatever so I think a lot of even some of the people that I know in my generation that are starting to parent already are letting I think letting the child lead I mean being a good disciplinarian and helping mold them into good human beings right but letting their their kids be their own unique manifestations of that so right. I have a couple friends who have um, kids like under the age of five and yes they have to you know still put rules in place and still reinforce a schedule in a bedtime but if their child wants to read or color before they go to bed like letting that be self-guided rather mm-hmm. than um, prescribing this is what needs to happen at bedtime and so I I think it's a definitely a reaction. I think all of our behaviors are somewhat come from a reaction of what we learned, yes. either affirming what we've learned mm-hmm. growing up or reacting against what we've learned. Um, and so I think I definitely see that. I don't know if there would be a generation specifically that I would think of that is going to reemerge because I think the interesting thing about um, 
um, this current generation, even when we talk about purpose, is that so many of the jobs that the kids in high school have now haven't even been created mm-hmm. yet. And so I even think of like post um, World War II, like troops coming back when women had entered the workforce mm-hmm. um, during World War II in order to you know help um, build supplies and get things to troops that were abroad. I think just even about the changing workforce of women leaving the home then and how with the men re-entering the workforce after coming back from war, how that realigned what was considered like a woman's job versus a man's job and new jobs were created and technology. That's really the dawn of the information era um, really started post that. And so I think we could maybe even look to a time like that. Uh, but I don't know. I think the world has changed so much so rapidly that I don't know that we could ever I could ever necessarily predict this is probably what parenting is going to look like for my generation. I'm thinking more from the, do you have predictions on what success will look like mm, Sure. for the, because I feel like there are very, uh, strong similarities between millennials and Gen Z's on the, what success looks mm. like. Do you feel like there's going to be ever a shift back to success looks like status money? Yeah. Do you feel like there'll ever be a shift back to that? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's it's hard to foresee that, especially given my own generational paradigm. Sometimes it's really hard to like separate my thoughts from my generational perspective right. um, because so much of what success looks like to me is living out my passion through a calling and a career. And so, I don't know, I think there always will be a place in our society where there are external expectations for what success looks like if that's a threshold of your income level or what society deems Mm -hmm. as a reputable and um high status job but gosh i don't know i think that's such a hard question but also futuristic is 33 out of 34 so i I have a hard time envisioning that. but i think the reason that it has it's really struck home with me is when i'm thinking about this five-year-old self Mm -hmm. five-year-old self had no idea I mean, literally none as to what the world would hold. Yeah. There's just absolutely conceptually mm-hmm. no way to imagine that I would not have a landline telephone yeah. with a super long cord on it. Absolutely. And that I wouldn't, I would have any other means of communication other than well thought letters. Hmm. You know, that, so for five year old self, I mean, one of the things I want to say is your mind is going to be blown. Your mind mm-hmm. is going to be completely blown almost every year with everything that changes yeah. and everything that develops. And mm. you're right, you know, 65% of the jobs available for today's high schoolers, you know, in their future career haven't even been created yet. Yeah. I would never have thought, I mean, even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have mm. thought that teammates would be serving 10,000. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was unfathomable to me mm. at the time or that we would grow. I mean, our staff has grown or our conference would be, a conference. Yeah. I mean, it's just when I think about each year, um, and that's what I love in my birthday mm-hmm. month. I like to think about what are all the things that I learned or were new or I had no idea. And our last our our, our episode around letters, we talked about your your grandpa's letter, mm-hmm. and I really. In this five-year-old self-dialogue, I wonder if we shouldn't start writing a letter hmm. to ourselves and model that for others or yeah. do that with our mentee. Yeah. Maybe write letter, sit down and write a letter together as a match. 
this is what we learned this year. This is what we experienced this year. We want to keep this. Um, So I've thought about there's a reason these things trend. There's a reason that all of I've had all of these people reach out to me and say, hey, I also was a band kid because I did a band, you know, sort of a I was a band kid theme. Seventh grade me seemed to resonate with so many people. There is a reason that it that it resonates. There's a reason that we're still seeking what does our why look like, mm-hmm. whether we're 44 or we're 14 yeah. or five-year-old self. We're all kind of looking for mm-hmm. what's our reason for being. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think you and I get to experience that a lot with the work that we do with strengths. Yeah, we absolutely. see people discovering. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest part. Yeah. I mean, the way that people listen and hear words that affirm their talent. Absolutely. Sometimes it's the first time in their life they've ever heard that. That's so cool. And that's on the mentor side. Yeah. You know, let alone what we get to do with the mentees. And they're so much um, more gifted in explaining that to us. Mm -hmm. So. That's awesome. Mm Five-year-old self. Five-year-old self. We seem to always um, stay really around sense of purpose and why mm-hmm. by na- by nature I had a wonderful dialogue yeah. with Alexa yeah. about that and I just want to give a shout out let's let's do a little conference recap I was truly in awe of her hmm. and here's why so for those listening yep. um, Alexa has been an intern with us this summer working primarily with me on research and data um, but yeah I got to do some stuff with conference and has been working with Allie a bit so mm-hmm. when we sat down and did just a little overview of strengths, and this is, and the reason I want to talk about this here is I would really encourage everyone to consider being Alexa Brave. Mm-hmm. When we sat down, I just met her. We're talking about her strengths, and she's talking about her strength of communication. And she yeah. said, "I really w- I, that doesn't make sense to me because I'm I'm so petrified to speak in public, and I get really nervous when you know I mm-hmm. talk in front of people." And we started talking about, you know, what does communication look like? It doesn't always look like that. I said, but if that's something that you want to take that strength and apply it to and grow and stretch, I said, I bet we could come up with ways to do that. And so I just threw it out there. I said, you know, if you wanted to, you could help me present a slide at at conference. And she just kind of looked at me like, (laughs) no way. And then she said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then really, and I loved this, watching this unfold she pondered it mm-hmm. and she decided to really stretch herself yep. and say, I want to grow in this teammates experience. I want this internship to be meaningful. And she did a lot of growing and a lot of learning, yeah. but we, we talked about it. We talked about it before we decided what slide she wanted to present on and she came up and she rocked it. Yeah. And later on when I shared with people, her willingness to do that mm-hmm. it created such a sense of um, belonging yeah. for new trainers absolutely because oh, they yeah. felt like oh, wait other people get nervous when they're speaking in public other people <laughs> yeah. so do I yeah. and it's my regular gig but I almost you know I'm like nauseous before mm-hmm. I'm about to present because I'm always nervous yeah. I never really know if I've done a good job and I beat myself up after the fact yeah. that's normal yeah. so the fact that she was willing to say, okay, here are my strengths, mm-hmm. but I really want to take this to the next level, and I really mm-hmm. want to apply this strength in a way that stretches me yeah. out of my zone, 
it was such a good an example to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just such a good example of the development cycle of strengths, right? Like we talk, especially even in this podcast, a lot about the naming and the claiming of strengths, right? Like the acknowledgement um, of what they mean and then how we claim them and see them in our lives. But the third aspect that sometimes I don't think we do intentionally is the aiming of the strengths. Right. So taking them and saying this is a naturally recurring talent of mine Um, I can see it in my life but then here's how I want to grow it and mature it and move it to the next level I think that's a really poignant piece of the development journey journey and she did that and grasped that and ran with it so so deliberately and I loved it I love to witness that Um, and then I think it was such a great testament even of what we talk about here a lot in just even the microcosm of a summer, right. that, that growth happens beyond your comfort zone. You have to step out of your comfort zone. And I think it was so cool, like, being her manager to be able to say, like, oh, my gosh, you you set all these goals at the beginning of the summer, and here's how you met and exceeded all of them. Right. Um, and I think that's where the collaboration of the strength spotting happens. So we talked about she had, like, five areas where she set goals for herself for the summer, and this was one of them. But with each of them, them. She pinpointed a few of her strengths or a few of the ways she met the goals. And then I got to come in with an added voice to say, hey, as an observer to your growth this semester you know, or this summer, I saw this strength in action. Or I saw also here's another example of how you used mm-hmm. your strengths. Um, and so I think that was really neat. I mean, it's essentially mm-hmm. what we beg and plead people to do. Yes. And she offered it. Yeah. She was like, can I do this? Can I do like, this? And I mean, it's the things that yeah. we do over periods of time. I mean, mm-hmm. like long periods of time in coaching. Absolutely. That she just brought to the table. And the other thing that I loved is I love when I'm supposed to be an example to someone and they turn out to be the example to me. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely love when that happens. I love when we can understand that, I mean, I I would say Alexa probably feels younger terminology-wise as, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's in her college journey right now. And she's seeing us in a career placement. And yet I'm watching her do... The example that I needed at the time to step outside my zone, to apply my strengths in a meaningful way, Mm -hmm. to keep applying my strengths, to sit down and really look at these five words that describe me and say, now this week, Allison, how are you going to use these? How are you going to aim them? And then the piece that she and I talked a little bit more about um, this week is something that um, I do a little bit more work with Wild, and that's in taming. So Mm -hmm. name, claim, aim, tame. And where we're above the above the line in Mm -hmm. joy and flow um and then we're sometimes we're below the line in anxiety and fear and Mm -hmm. overworking overthinking um and that line there's usually above the line is courage and below the line is shame Mm. and i can so beautifully see where she said i will step up in courage yeah to really practice my my strength in action and that was just a beautiful example um okay i want to follow her example by asking you and you can ask me then where are you going to step up into courage this week and which one of your strengths are you going to aim and how so so i actually just had this thought um this morning so i've been stuck in a rut um really fun way to describe that I've been in a difficult place. It's not super public, but I've been in a difficult place. And I think what I've done is I've turned off all of everything that I know Mm -hmm. because I'm just sad and kind of lost and don't know what I'm doing. So instead of practicing, 
what I teach, preach, and know to be true. I've just turned everything off. So I'm not exercising, I'm not eating right, I'm not getting good sleep, I'm not doing all the things that Allison knows she needs. <laughs> yep. um, because I just want to be in a little bit of um, blue. Yeah. And I feel like I need a little bit of time there. Um, it's swamp season. Um, but this morning I sat down and I literally wrote out, it is so funny that you asked that because I'm like, what do you need to do to get out of this? This is going on too long. This has been going on mm-hmm. since, I mean, really since April. Like it's, yeah. that's, you're getting close to six months of this blue. Let, yeah. Let's go. Um, so I wrote down what is a feel mm-hmm. and what is logic and then what do I need? Yeah. to get above the line about this. So okay. one of the feels is fear. Um, the logic is it'll be okay. And I know that intrinsically. <clears throat> but the fear of, of starting over and having a new experience in a lot of ways is very yeah. scary to me. What I need <clears throat> is to be able to spend time planning around it. Sure. So I, it gave me total comfort to write this out today. Hmm. To just sit down with a crappy pad it wasn't even my good. It wasn't my good notebook because I didn't know where my good notebook was. That's how lost I am. I don't even know where my notebooks are. So I find this oh crappy gosh, pad of paper. Scarcity. Oh, it is. Oh I know. I literally. I thought I need to go to Walmart and buy fourteen notebooks right, right now, now because there should always be one on me. Um, but I found this crappy pad in a junk drawer of, you know, yeah. the massive chaos that has been going on, mm-hmm. and the go 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 has kept me not facing any of my fears Hmm. and now those things are going away those things are the the busyness is being replaced with you've got some time to think about this now take a breath and so when I wrote out I was able to use my input my communication to say you can see this you can write this you can tame it by reading it yeah because you I get so in my head yeah. So in my head. In, in and I think using the communication input to get your strategic out mm-hmm. um, so that mm-hmm. your your brain and probably a blind side of the strategic is constantly having a plan and worrying about the what ifs. Mm-hmm. So utilizing some of your other strengths to pull yourself out of your head and the overthinking to put that on paper. And the thing that I mm-hmm. really want to express gratitude for is that some of you knew mm-hmm. you were helping me in a bad time. But most people didn't. Yeah. And there are so many times I tried to say, hey, thank you. You made me feel safe in the last couple of months that people probably don't understand what that meant. But I needed to know the safety and security and the trust yeah. that I have people that I can count on in my life. Mm-hmm. And that part mm-hmm. is probably a little bit more of my individualization. Absolutely. Digging a little bit deeper. But Empty. to see, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, you have no idea. And that whole quote, which is overused all the time, but, you know, be kind for everyone is fighting a battle you yeah. know nothing about. That's been very true for me in the last few months. Some of you knew that. Most people didn't. And, mm-hmm. the, I mean, just the niceness of someone saying, oh, I got that. I got you. I get it. It's fine. We're good. Um, was such a relief. Yeah. Um, and so, not that I want to do this on here, you know, get all weepy, but thank you because um, you knew what I needed and when. And you also knew when to step back and say, okay, she'll, she'll let me know when. Yeah. Um, but I think 
we have we're very fortunate to work together and know each other's nuances and know each other's strengths you knew when I was getting in an anxiety mm-hmm. and you stepped in with your strengths and said okay this is what she needs yeah. and then in turn not on purpose but by accident I got to do that for you yeah the day after oh my goodness yeah and I it so you kept saying thank you thank you I just wanted you to understand that it was my opportunity to say yeah thank you to you yeah because you wouldn't have you would have fought it absolutely and you I felt like you just needed permission to let someone say no this is what we're gonna do and I'll take you yeah um Absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Okay. Um, That was very nice. Um, (laughs) Okay. So how are you going to? Pause for a quick tear break. (laughs) Um, Hmm. How are you going to utilize your strengths in today, next week? Hmm. Or I would also love, I mean, I really would love to hear where you felt like you were in your strengths at conference. Because I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. Um, so you probably saw a lot of adaptability. Oh. Um, and I think adaptability, especially in it, – it works great in times of, like, needed things are going a little bit chaotic. But I also think when there's added stress, sometimes it comes out negatively. And I think some of the basement of my adaptability did come out because – the dang IT guy at the conference center did not get the stuff set up in time. And I explicitly told him when I needed it set up by because I had to be in the main room. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure I was in the main room for you to make sure you knew that I was there and anybody that was having IT issues, we were good to go. Um, and so I think I was like running around a little bit with um, like a chicken with my head cut off for a bit um, because the guy did not have the breakout rooms. He only had half of them ready by the time the main conference um, started, the main morning session and that was just a little bit anxiety provoking for me um I think um so I think I probably used a lot of adaptability though in there and even sometimes where I wasn't scheduled to work on the tech stuff technically in the layout knowing that it was just better for me to step up and do that uh to make sure everybody felt okay um and so even though it isn't the favorite my favorite part of my job I just know that everybody else seems to be a little more less or a little less stressed We're maybe in a little more at ease knowing that I'm taking care of that and so I just kind of stepped up into that um at some point in time even to the point of you were willing to if just in case anyone would deliver you know go into labor you were completely prepared to deliver a baby. <laughs> yes, I was. I did, I did look up a YouTube video. We had somebody on staff that um, is like nine months pregnant, and I was nominated in the office. I was not here, but I was nominated to be the one to deliver the baby, which I think is like the still my most favorite compliment of anything at work, I think, because I'm just like, wow, what an honor to bring a child into the world. But I also think it would be so fascinating to do and so fun to do. <laughs> I would just do nothing but cry and scream a lot. So think about how reliant we are on your strengths. Yeah. All of us Mm -hmm. as a team are reliant on one another's strengths, but I feel like yours really shine Mm -hmm. in a way that... So the other day you were gone, and of course I'm near in our Groundhog Village. I'm near (laughs) everyone. Yep. So I can hear everything. (laughs) And the number of times I heard, ask Tess, where's Tess? (laughs) Ask Tess, where's Tess? 
And I just thought, does anyone ever say that when I'm not here? I bet not. Absolutely. I bet. Absolutely. I don't know. I feel like there should be a where's test jar that we just contribute quarters to. And then it's either our staff happy hour funding or we, I don't know, set up a new scholarship. (laughs) Because it is where's tests, ask tests. Mm. We are dependent on your strengths. I also can see at times where that becomes a weight. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are definitely times where even where I'm just like, oh, gosh, it'd be so easier not to be in the office because I feel like I wouldn't get these questions or these, you know, things which are is and I'm having to learn to just even reorient my brain in those times and check myself because it usually is I'm so invested in whatever I'm analyzing or running or looking at that when someone, you know, breaks into that I'm like gosh I'm just with such in a good focus mode which is sometimes hard for me to get into in the first place especially in Groundhog Village that I'm realizing that more and more I just have to pause and let my ego be set aside and say okay how can I help you um and that's been just a change even I know we've talked on the podcast about the change in the format of the new office space and how it's so open concept that it's just a little harder to focus but um yeah so I think but I hope that you feel honored by the fact that we can so trust your reliability. So back to (laughs) IT person, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't even occur to us to not have things done. Yeah. So sometimes for me, managing expectations is the hardest part of my life. Sure. Because I expect people to take everything as seriously as I do. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, they have other things that they (laughs) make a higher priority. So... We become very dependent on your reliability. Mm. So if we ask you to do something, we know it's going to be done with integrity, it's going to be done correctly, and Mm. it's going to get done. And I know that that can feel like a weight. Mm, sure. And I think it's it needs to be okay for us to give permission. And again, back to this whole five-year-old self and giving permission to authenticity to say, hey, I just can't. Yeah. And what do we say yes to and what do we say no to and what do we, you know, contemplation and what do we reclaim? I saw moments where I wished I could have said, and that's when I did step up on Thursday and say, no, yeah, I'll go ahead and say no for her because yeah. she won't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to do this and she might be mad at me. <laughs> but it was like, and then I also felt totally in mom mode. Uh-huh. I could, <laughs> Tess has gotten on my case a couple times about mom face that I, look at her with like beaming mom eyes. So I really work on that. But when that was happening, oh, yeah. I'm like, nope. Yeah. I'm and I can mom. fill listeners in for context. I was having a migraine and I get a lot of nausea. And so it was to the extreme extent where I had very little awareness of the present moment. I couldn't string thoughts together. And I was supposed to present um, at another conference the day after our conference. And it just, my nausea got so bad that I couldn't even keep my meds down. And so Allie stepped in and was like, I'm taking you to the hospital. And, and that's, <laughs> that's what we're it. doing. That's what we're doing. Because I felt I like you just mm-hmm. needed permission to say, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. And so I think I did, yeah. it's important for all of us. And I think this might be a good thing for us to think about when it comes to our staff development that we're doing. Yeah. Where do you need to give yourself permission to say out loud, I can't. 
yeah. or it's too much or mm-hmm. because I think every single person that's on our central office staff yeah. carries a weight of reliability and responsibility Absolutely. for one another mm-hmm. and to the organization. There's no one that's here just to clock in and clock out. No. That's not who we are as no. a team. So everyone must be feeling some sense of overload. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. can they give themselves permission to? Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you mm-hmm. to be able to, because I watched that happen. You would have yeah. done it. Yeah, I would have. And it would have been bad. <laughs> you would have powered yeah. through because yeah. you can be counted on. Yeah. And um, so please give yourself permission yeah. to, say, to say, no. I can't. And I think there are times, and even when I was thinking about, you know, the question of how I'm going to maybe aim my strengths this next week, I just finished my uh, class today, actually, my summer class for grad school. And um, I, a lot of my intellection is used in the space of school. So I just am constantly thinking about whatever I'm studying and whatever I'm digging into. And so I think I really need to aim my intellection outside of the classroom. And so given the fact that now I have a couple weeks of a break before my fall classes start, uh, aiming my intellection in a way that I think is really helpful to create that mental margin that I need Mm -hmm. um, to be successful and coming off of a couple weeks of really poor health. um, I think that that is going to be really helpful now that I feel finally like yesterday and today that I have full cognition back and um, full ability to think and contemplate, I think is really helpful. So I think I'm going to stretch myself to um, journal more, get through a few more books um, outside of classroom time. And I think I'm over 50 books now. I think I just recently found it. What do you how do you feel about a magazine? I mean, no, you, absolutely not. Golly gee. But I'm thinking, Tess. Oh, but that's so much joy for me, Allie. I don't think I know you it realize is. I know it is. I know might, it is. People might look at that and think, golly gee, she just. Maybe you should just read some or... crap fiction. Just some terrible, I, like, Nicholas Spark stuff. Oh, absolutely not. If I'm reading, like, Maybe you should just read fiction. I might just read Harry Potter again. Like that's the only fiction but that get, I really. Enjoy. So this is what I want you to give yourself permission to is to give your intellection rest. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I think the intellection rest is using my intellection in a self-directed way rather than a directed way by like a class or by whatever's going on. Like that is rejuvenating to my intellection to be able to read a biographer. You know, or a biography of, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer or to be able to, you know, that's or to be able to like think about or read something, you know, cultural commentary or I've been, you know. Not just flip through a magazine. No, definitely not. Like my intellection is rejuvenated through mental stimulation, right? Right. Through thinking about exciting ideas and Mm -hmm. processing what's going on in the world around me Mm -hmm. and what's going on in my head and what's going on in my relationships. So that is intellection at rest. And that's really good for us to think about, especially as coaches, is that's so unique to the individual. Yeah. Rest looks so different for people. What gives people life looks very different. So for me, sitting down and watching TV and flipping through the magazine drains me. Because I'm not using my full mental capacity. Like, I love to be able to think about deep issues and, you know, critical cultural commentary and love getting into, like, the rhetoric of the debates right now and the presidential elections and, you know, podcasts and social science. And so all of those things are very restful for me because I get to use my talents and strengths in a way that's really life-giving geared towards what I love to think about. So that's a good way for me to reframe the swamp mm-hmm. season yeah that i can find rest by utilizing my strengths 
yeah. in a way that's different than yeah. so my questions can be not anymore about the answers I'll never get yeah but my questions could be more around the future yeah. and future casting and um, exploring new space mm-hmm. and thinking about what that might look like instead of staying mm-hmm. stuck in the old yeah. rhetoric and the old narrative and I think your your version of rest and self-care is going to look different than mine. And right. so because, especially because so many of your strengths are externally focused, right, mm-hmm. on relationships and on external emotions and external social connections mm-hmm. like your empathy and woo, that you just take on so much of the world around you through mm-hmm. its emotions and connections that you need to isolate, mm-hmm. right, in order to rejuvenate. Yes. For me, it's the opposite, that when my strengths are going into the basement, I am in isolation and to give me, bring me back above the center line to courage, mm-hmm. I need to enter into relationships right. fully. Right. And so I think that looks very different, right? But it helps us to see when we dig into our strengths that rest is going to look different for both of us, that rejuvenation is going to look different, self-care looks different for both of us. Like self-care is taking intentional time to go to happy hour with my friends and connecting with my friends relationally because my default is going to be isolating myself right and I think what's good that we are sharing here with our listeners is that this is all practice Mm -hmm. and I think part of the reason that people do like listening those that I hear from do like hearing um, (laughs) our voices and hear us talk about it is that we're coming from a very open we don't have this down yet oh mentality it's not Mm -hmm. it's we're always in practice we're always in application um strengths is always that way the concept Mm -hmm. of purpose is always that way growth mindset Mm -hmm. is truly i mean i had a dial i've been having a text dialogue about i always want to be growing absolutely that's fundamental to me and the second that i think that i'm stopping that Mm -hmm. things get really Oh, yeah. And I think that's what I love about strengths and just about all of our dialogue around personal development and courage and purpose, right? And so my class that I was just in was like a systematic theology course. So I had to think really high level about how do we make sense of God and what is the task of theology and, you know, how do we make what does the Trinity mean and what language can we ascribe to God and our limitations as humanity. And so a lot of my, my conclusion essentially was like when we get to the point like the task of theology is personal growth and openness to whatever God or the divine has to teach us right and the moment that we think we know it is when we have now stopped doing theology right the moment we think we have it right and we know everything we can know right because the divine could reveal the divine self to us in a new and fresh way whatever you believe about God or the divine um, in any given moment in our experience or our interaction with tradition or our rational mm-hmm. thought right and so the moment that we think we've got it is the moment we actually like stop living because, because that's faith yeah Oh, absolutely. It's in the growth and that's learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that that that's what I love so much about our dialogues and about the strengths journey, wherever you're at um, on it, is that continually being open to experiencing life through our strengths and recognizing when we need to use them in different ways or tone them down or tame them, right? Mm -hmm. Or aim them in a meaningful way Mm -hmm. um, is when we can really maximize and use them to their full potential. Agreed. Cool. Oh man. Okay. So, so many good things. Okay. I want to hear like what was, cause we didn't really do a full like conference recap. So we have a little bit of time left. What is like your number one takeaway? You have to summarize it down to one. I'm going to limit you. Oh. Number one takeaway from conference. I would say that 
I was in awe of the teamwork. Hmm. And that applies to all. So we, we yeah. I found a new wonderful friendship with Tina, who is the events manager at um, <laughs> Embassy. Didn't even know her before I started. And, and by the time we wrapped up conference, I know her strengths, and I think she's a wonderful <laughs> human being. Um, teamwork and the, the surprises of that. So one of the examples I'll give you is Tiffany, who um, works both the evening... Um, manager's reception and the morning breakfast at embassy is an awesome auntie who absolutely gives everything to her nephews. Um, one, um, well, both of them have, um, are on the autism spectrum and she lives with her sister and she helps her sister. And of course me, I just happened to be chatting with her and then, um, said, didn't I see you last night? And she said, yeah, I work, you know, I work the evenings and then I work the mornings. And I said, well, how do you take care of you? And she said, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, when I have the day off, I take care of me. And I said, okay. And then I saw her Tuesday morning. And I said, Tiffany, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, someone called in sick. And I mean, she just stepped right up into it. Yeah. And I was in awe of that. Yeah. And it didn't didn't even occur to her to not show up. It didn't even occur to her. Mm -hmm. Um, So watching that happen, watching a team in that sense mm-hmm. watching the t- the embassy team you know s- sometimes have to compensate for others yeah. watching our team watching the presenters feel part of a team watching our coordinators feel part of a team seeing the team that our mm-hmm. program coordinators and board members and mentors are um my personal team mm-hmm. i mean i had lauren referred to herself as uh, my therapy dog <laughs> but i had and I didn't know for sure that either one of them would be there, but both oh. Gigi and Lauren were there as mm-hmm. my truly like spirit cheerleaders. Oh yeah, just their physical presence being there mm-hmm. helped me. Um, I commented many times to you and Taylor, "You're making me feel safe. Yeah. I need I need to feel yeah. safe." Um, the teamwork that Beth and Des Moines and I had in trying to get things together. Beth was phenomenal. Yeah. It's just awesome oh to work with her. She yeah. is a great, great, completely underappreciated um, yeah. team member. Absolutely. And I loved her organization, but her mm-hmm. attitude was always, even if things were getting really harried and, and it was always reassuring and it'll be fine. We got this. And then just um, the overall, I just felt like it was team mm-hmm. efforts. Yeah. That was a long Long one takeaway. That's all right. <laughs> I love it. Your one. Um, so I think my one takeaway, um, which we see over and over again, but I think being in the central office and being in my role that's a little bit more behind the scenes, I don't get to utilize as much, but relationships really matter. And the conversation of being in person, um, the conversations that happen, the relational capital that's built, the connections that are made are really important. And so I love being able to connect. I mean, a couple coordinators that I've emailed with or even had phone calls with to be able to connect in person, um, I think is really meaningful because you get to know more than just whatever the transaction is that's happening via the email, you know, if it's regards to data or updating a civic core record to be able to build 
um, deeper relationship, like ask about their family or their passions or learn about their uniquely awesome self, I think is super important. And just being in the role that I am and teammates, I, besides our strengths communities, I don't get out to communities often Mm. to interact because I'm behind the scenes crunching a lot of numbers and making sure everybody has the information they need. Um, and so I love those times where I get to connect with people and put faces and personalities to names. Um, and so I think that's just my biggest takeaway. I mean, there was so much awesome learning, um, but I think I'm just reminded of the power um, that we find within relationships that are built. Mm-hmm. And we know that because of mentoring. We know that because of the frequency of right. relationship building strengths in our organization, but just to see and experience it at the ground level um, rather than I usually am 30,000 foot viewing it um, from just a quantitative and qualitative perspective, right. analyzing the importance of relationships, but to then be in it is was awesome. So let's take those two takeaways and really apply them to Gallup Day, yeah, which is coming up in mm-hmm. September, um, because yeah. that's up to us to yeah. make sure that that's important. Yeah. So, and we have to work as a team. Mm-hmm. But also, I think we underestimate the value of the human connection. We don't have to be teaching the whole time. Yeah, yep, absolutely. We can let them teach one another oh yeah yep because that's where true learning comes from is when they're when participants use their own voice um i also think tests and i should have said this too so i get two takeaways so you get another one to be thinking another one my other was that i have to have to check my assumptions oh that's good Uh i made tremendous assumptions of things being disastrous Hmm. like Oh my goodness! Got to be well prepared. I got to yep. be prepared yep. for this. Is going to cause all kinds of um, yep. pushback, or this is going. This isn't going to be well received. I make. This is me owning my implicit bias. This yep. is me owning my blind spots. Mm-hmm. I made huge assumptions about the way that people would receive information, and mm-hmm. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was really wrong. And I'm very glad that I get to get those lessons full force right in my face Mm -hmm. when I am wrong like that. Because it reminds me that what I'm saying is, everyone open your mind. But I'm coming in with my assumptions about things, which is really stating that my mind isn't open either. So um, that is a big takeaway for me. I think I said it. I need to check my assumptions. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. So I think a second takeaway for me, which also probably is a little bit of bias too, but I feel like uh, I had some confirmation bias going on um, that weekend uh, because, or that week, because I think a lot of people really loved Mike Geringer, um, but when that was compared to like Miss Sue the Tutor <laughs> from The Blind Side, our um, right. lunch speaker who had this incredible story, um, both of them, um, he definitely brings the research perspective, the data perspective, and she brings the story perspective. And I think so much of my passion about my role is marrying those two really well, right? Bringing together the stats and the stories, the quantitative and the qualitative perspectives of the impacted teammates. And so I think it was neat to see people loved hearing from Mike, loved hearing about the research. And then people also loved hearing from Miss Sue. And I feel like everyone named one of those two people as their favorite. Um, And so it was really neat to see, okay, Mm -hmm. we need both components in a really healthy way um, to get a full picture of the impact, but also to appeal even to our people, um, our leaders uh, with in communities, our coordinators and board members and building coordinators that were there. Um, And so that was a really neat thing to partake in. And I think it's also important to note that we were very lucky to have both of them there. Yes. Yep. Um, It was quite remarkable, I think, for us to hear that Mike doesn't do much of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we we would listen to him all day, every day. Absolutely. And I have been immersed 
mm-hmm. in his work, his language, his name yep. for so long oh, yeah. that it was even shocking to me when someone didn't Do maybe know, know who, who that was. was. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, he's, <laughs> like, he's kind of the Tom Osborne of, <laughs> of mentoring yep. research. Um, so we, I think we were lucky to be mm-hmm. in um, in a more personal container yeah, to have yeah. dialogue with him. And mm-hmm. I felt really honored. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also felt really honored that he would consider teammates. Absolutely. So, so cool. Oh, man. So, hey, well, that was more than one Okay, away. that's all right. Okay. Um, what an episode. Hopefully, this is, gives you some great content as you're getting back into school and back into mentoring. And I feel like I, I got to present um, with uh, a group of church leaders, uh, yes, two days ago. And I talked about how even if you aren't associated with school or don't have kids in school, it feels like summer just throws off all of our rhythms, right? So I feel like we're finally like getting back into like a good, solid, stable rhythm and schedule. And so we just want to welcome everybody back and um, hopefully you've been tuning in. If not, we've been recording all summer. So go back and listen to some of our episodes. Um, But from this episode, a few takeaways. So when you think about your five-year-old self, send us a picture if you can find one, if you have one, but we'd love to hear what would you tell your five-year-old self? What would you encourage your five-year-old self? And then what strengths did you see evidenced within your five-year-old self? We'd also love to hear a little bit about how you can be Alexa Brave. Um, So how can you aim your strengths um, to bring it to a place of courage? Um, How can you use your courage to bring it above the line in aiming your strengths in a way this week or this month? Um, What strength maybe do you need to to pull a little bit of bravery and courage into to get it into a positive place? Um, And then maybe along those lines, what does... um, health look like for you. We talked a little bit about um, our own unique forms of what rest and rejuvenation looks like. So in this season of your life, in this place in your strengths development, what does uh, rejuvenation and uh, connecting to your true authentic five-year-old self look like at this point in life? Uh, And then finally, um, one more, if you attended conference, if there's any other feedback or takeaways that you want to share with us, um, we'd love to hear those as well. Um, I know we got a lot of great feedback from the survey that was sent out, but if you have anything else you want to share with us in terms of helping guide our planning and decision-making for next year's conference, I know that we, our team, would greatly appreciate it. So I just want to strength spot, you did all of that without any notes. Oh, you know, yeah, I did. (laughs) Now, sometimes I write things down and you look at, you decipher my hieroglyphics somehow. Yeah. But I didn't really write anything down, so I didn't get my notebook out. I can't describe this because people can't see us, (laughs) but tested all of that recap from memory. Yep. (laughs) Context and action. Context strategic. Um, Context strategic blend. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 48 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. Uh, To interact with us and share your responses to the questions we posed in the episode, give us a follow on Instagram or uh, shoot us an email. Um, But we'll definitely be posting our five-year-old self photos on Instagram, so we'd encourage you to check us out there. And you can do that at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D. M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.